Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Celtics Collective. I am Sean Devaney from Heavy Sports. Uh, I've got the uh, longtime veteran Celtics beat writer Steve Bulpet with me. Uh, also on Heavy Sports, Sports. Devaney. <laughs> How are you, Steve? Uh, geez, I feel worse now with that introduction. <laughs> it meant it was meant uh, to be, you know, honoring your 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 years of service. Yeah, keep talking. Decades of service. <laughs> I think it's. Uh, I think we do, can measure it now in eons. Yeah, eons that we're up to. <laughs> All right, so uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Celtics currently on this little losing skid that they're on, and and sort of what's going on with that team. Uh, maybe Jalen Brown a little bit too. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Danilo Gallinari and the possibility that he uh, could play again. Uh, he's certainly talking like he wants to. Uh, and, and also sort of how that affects uh, Sam Hauser, who's, who's really struggled and, um, you know, doesn't seem to have a very prominent place with this team uh, at this point. Uh, we are, of course, less than three weeks away from the trade deadline. So we're going to talk uh, a little bit about that. Uh, and we're going to play my favorite game, Be Brad Stevens, where uh, Steve and I will take a quick turn uh, being Brad Stevens. But let's start with what happened last night um, on, on Thursday at home against the Knicks. The Celtics come back after a pretty miserable trip through Florida, uh, you know, where they had a bunch of injuries. They get pretty much everybody back. Marcus Smart still out. Uh, and you get this overtime loss uh, to the Knicks. Uh, Steve, you were there. What did you see in that game? Well, uh, they started out playing the way they were supposed to play, and then they went away from it. Um, I just tweeted out this morning that, that it's probably not necessarily a bad thing that they that their comeback attempt failed because um, one of the most dangerous things about iso ball is that sometimes it works. And, you know, it's like, you know, don't encourage them. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's what got them away from the game, but they, they've got guys who are damn good enough to make it work at times. And it got them back in uh, that, and, and they uh, raised the intensity of their defense. But uh, down the stretch, they had, you know, shots to win. You know, they had a shot at the end of regulation to win the game. And the ISO thing just didn't work, you know. And it it was kind of the same thing if you you know that that happened in Miami. Yeah. You know, the, the key play of the game. Here's the ISO. Instead of, you know, they're gonna you're Jason Tatum. You know, if you have the ball, they're going to load up to you, particularly with the guys that were out that night that were missing. Um, so give it up and then run through a pick and get, you know run off a screen and get it back. Um, it seems pretty simple and I know that they're fighting it. I know the coaches are fighting it with them. Um, it's uh, something that hasn't quite taken hold in, especially in these kind of situations. Yeah. And it, they seem to be a little bit of a, I'd say mentally tired, at least team, you know, a team that, that, mm -hmm. that uh, has kind of lost its focus that, you know, played a certain way for so long. I think when, when, when teams get tired, this probably applies to any sport, but especially basketball, 
um, you tend to go back to your worst habits. Like, like it just becomes, um, you know, you're, you're not as locked in. And so you, you kind of revert to the things that, uh, that you want to do that you have to fight against. Um, you know, does that, does that strike you as this being sort of, you know, for a team that went to the finals, uh, uh for the first time, uh, you know, this group, uh, last year that, 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 that this is sort of just one of those, uh, that those speed bumps that you get when, uh, uh, when, when you have that kind of fatigue. Yeah. Uh, Joe Missoula pointed it out last night and it's, it's true. Now it's been true for a billion years. Um, you, you can't get bored with doing the simple things. Yeah. And really, you know, making the simple short pass, making the simple cut, that's the stuff that works. The The reason why it would be at all of a concern right now, it's January. They've got the best record in the league. The only thing that would worry you is that, like you said, it, it, it comes back, they revert to this in uh, in pressure situations. You know, they, they got themselves out of a hole last year by playing really good defense and embracing the way they needed to play with the ball much more movement. And then when the finals came and the pressure went on, when they kind of gagged away that, uh, that game at home, um, you know, there it came again, the, uh, the, the playing of ISO ball, the not just not moving enough to make the warriors move enough. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think specifically last night, obviously, look, they wouldn't have gotten back into the game uh, down the stretch there without Jalen Brown and the way he played. Uh, But overall he was eight for 22. He misses the two free throws. Um, You know, he had made five in a row before that. Um, He's never played the level of minutes that he's playing now. He's playing 35.9 minutes a game. Uh, the most total minutes he's played in his career was last year, 2,220. If he plays the 36 minutes a game that he's playing now for 18 more games, he'll be at a career high. So, you know, we could be uh, in early March and, and, and Jalen Brown will have played more minutes than he ever has. Uh, that's that's not a guarantee, obviously, but it's possible. Uh, you know, he's had the, the, the stomach issue and things like that. Um, is that a concern, you know, that, that, that Jalen at this point is playing uh, the, the level of minutes that he is for a team that wants to go into uh, playing to June? Unless minutes are like in the crazy, you know, upper forties range, which these are not, I don't, I don't pay that much of a, of a, of attention to that much attention to the minutes thing. These guys are, you know, it's how many minutes, Per night, they're not playing every single night. They're getting rest time. They're getting rehab. They, the the rehab tools they have now are much greater than they, much better than they were, much more advanced than they were five, ten years ago. Um, what I look at in these situations is how hard do these guys have to play in that time? And I think a guy like Jalen, he's things are he's making things difficult on himself. You know, you look at these shots he's making, these great mid-range shots, but he's having to, you know, getting into the basket, turnarounds against pressure, uh, you know, contested shots. That's what makes the minutes difficult, not just the number of minutes. It's, you know, what are you doing in those things? Like a nice breezy 35 ain't a problem. If you're getting up and just running up and down the court 
and you know playing uh, that kind of uh, of a style, then you're getting easy buckets. You're not having to work as hard during that time that you're on the floor. And I think that's what this team is going for. Like when Joe talks about making the simple pass, the simple play that's in front of you, yeah, it's it's boring in some regards, but it works. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons why, uh, among the reasons why Rob Williams is so valuable is that the ball doesn't stick in his hands. It's, you know, he's getting it. It's a, it's a, a handoff or it's a short pass and there's movement. And that's why he gets free near the basket because he's giving it up and rolling. Um, these guys should be doing, you know, been barking for years that, uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can are really, really good players, but they're much better at finishers than they are as creators. So give it up and get it back. Yeah, that seems to be something with with Jalen that that uh, you know that that Tatum tends to take that lesson. I think a little better. Maybe it's maybe I just see it that way because uh, you know Tatum is a better one on one player, one of the best in the league, really. Um, but but it does seem like when it comes to hero ball, um, it 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 winds up coming down to Jalen doing it too much. Is that is that too critical? Do you think? I, th- I think it's I think it's the whole. I think it's the entire club, you know, as an entity. Uh, look, Jalen had made a few plays in a row last night uh, down the stretch, mm-hmm. and the ball got over to Jason. Had made a few plays in a row. Excuse me, down the stretch, the ball got into Jalen's hands, and everybody. Everybody in the arena knew that he wasn't giving it up. He was going to go try to make a play. And it's like, it's that kind of stuff that, you know, you've got other guys standing around and you're not using the spacing that you have. You know, um, the if, if guys are spread to the corners, to the wings, and you start making a move to the basket and, you know, the guys aren't afraid of you throwing it to the, to the corner as much because you, you don't do it as much. You know, it's again, it's just it's crazy how simple this stuff is. And I think it's frustrating for uh, the team, for the coaches to see how often that uh, this kind of issue, you know, bedevils them. Well, we'll see what happens next with the Celtics, but uh, we do want to kind of change gears here. Again, I'm Sean Devaney from Heavy Sports. I've got Steve Bolpet with me. We're talking Celtics. Um, you know, Danilo Gallinari uh, spoke this week and said that he was hopeful of coming in and playing before the end of the season. Um, you know, that seems pretty ambitious, uh, you know, for a guy – uh, to to have the ACL injury that he's had and 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 something that he's had before uh, and and think he's going to come back, uh, you know, within eight or nine months. Um, do you expect? You know, is it realistic to think that uh, that that Gallinari will actually see time for the Celtics uh, before the regular season or in the playoffs for that matter? Well, um, next week I think it is that. Uh... Sports gambling uh, becomes legal, or yes. it is legal, but it goes online, uh, not online literally, but that you can start doing it at casinos in, the, in uh, Massachusetts. Um, <clears throat> I think the odds uh, against him coming back would be prohibitive. Um, yeah. uh, the odds of him coming back would be prohibitive. Um, 
Yeah, it's hard to see, but it looks to me more like he's using this as like a a motivation, a carrot to keep uh, to keep from getting bored with his rehab. You know, Uh, something that's out there for him. And even if you were to come back, how effective could he be? You know, uh, there's got to be some rust to shake off. Then again, they're not asking him to do a whole lot necessarily. But um, yeah. It'd be hard to see it happening, um, but you know if he wants to give it a shot. And hey, crazier things have happened, right? Yeah, and I think you're right that you know people underestimate how grinding rehab is. You know, when you talk to guys who go through it, uh, it's uh, it's 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 not easy. Uh, you know, you've got to push yourself toward nothing you know you're not pushing yourself toward a game toward you know going out and and competing against somebody else you're you're going and you're you're competing against uh you know a physical therapy machine and 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 that's not natural for these guys and 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 so you could imagine uh Gallinari kind of putting that out there more for his own doing than uh than for everybody else uh you know and 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 it does feel to me sort of like Gordon Hayward uh, in 2000, what was that, 2018, where, oh, maybe he'll be back. You know, he could be back. And, and he didn't come back, of course. Uh, or he'd go back, way back uh, uh, to uh, uh, to a time that you and I remember, Steve, and that was 2009 when uh, Kevin Garnett got hurt. Uh, and there was a lot of talk, like, oh, he's practicing. Oh, he's going to come out and play. He's going to and, – and, and, of course, he didn't. You know, he never played. It, it, it feels like Gallinari sort of in that same category. Well, but it's not like they're they're not waiting on Gallinari the same way they they were waiting. Excuse me, on a Kevin Garnett. Um, yeah, right. So yeah, but uh, you know, it's hey, give it a shot if you want. You know, it's uh, look as someone who works out regularly, it can be a real bitch taking crap from an from inanimate objects. <laughs> Going to the gym is not fun necessarily, <laughs> um, but uh, you know. It feels good when it's when you're through, you know. Um, yeah. So, but if that's his motivation, to hey, and he's you know spending more time around the team, on the road trips and things like that. Um, so yeah, cool. Um, but I don't think the Celtics are expecting certainly uh, to get stuff out of him this year. Yeah, you know, you got to remember he's 34 years old too. So, uh, you know, he comes back, and 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 what are you going to realistically expect? Uh, from from Gallinari at that point, you know, having not played uh, in, in in almost a year, uh, probably not fair to, to to throw him in there and expect much uh, uh, of him. Anyways, I think for for Celtics fans, as we uh, get near the end of January here, one of the bigger questions is: Will Gallinari survive the trade deadline? And, and you know, if you talk about this being a carrot. For for Gallinari, maybe he means it to be a carrot for the Celtics. As in, don't trade me; I might still play. Um, you know, his contract can be pretty valuable uh, if they're going to make a deal. From what I understand, I mean, look, they're not going to trade Derek White or 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 any of their their top eight or nine pieces. Uh, but but if they can move Gallinari's contract, then that that allows them to match salaries in a way that that nobody else on the roster really gives them uh, the opportunity to do so. Um, you know, that's, that's probably the big question is, does he survive the trade deadline? Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I think the Celtics will make, will look at moves, but I think the bigger concern with them is 
when they when they're examining trades is is there a chance that this hurts them? They don't they don't want to screw up what they have. Yeah. Um, you know, what they have is has gotten them the best record in the league. And when they play the right way, they are a team that can win an win an NBA championship. They could have won one last year. You know, it was it was within their reach. Um, so uh, as much as you're looking at, well, what can they add to what they have? I think they're a lot more concerned about, will there be a subtraction factor? Um, and will someone they have, uh, someone they can get, uh, will that person be able to contribute enough to make a move worthwhile, to make even upsetting chemistry? Mm-hmm. You know, um, is it something they want to do? So I, I think they're going to be, uh, active in looking, perhaps, but very much wary about this. Yeah, I, I wonder too, and 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 maybe this is uh, more me listening to agents and such uh, rather than you know what's what's really going on with the team. I wonder too if they are still sensitive to the idea that that as a franchise they can be cold, you know. And, and I think they gained a reputation uh, with the Isaiah Thomas stuff. Which you know, I mean, I, I think if you really look at the facts, it wasn't it wasn't quite the way it's been made out to. But they've got the reputation. There's no question around the league. Uh, so I wonder, you know, if you if Maybe you sign a, a guy and he's going on and on Maybe about how much he wants to be a Celtic, and then you dump him, you know, is that does that uh, uh, does that hurt the reputation of the franchise at all? No, I mean it's the the agent is looking at you know he's got a client. He's uh, entrusted with, uh, he's got to execute the fiduciary duty, what's best for his client. And, um, you know, each move is looked at in, in a vacuum. Uh, I don't think it, you know, relates necessarily. Yeah, if you've got a guy that's got an, uh, you know, got some injury issues, maybe you shy, and he's a free agent, maybe you shy away from Boston to a degree. But if you believe in that rep, um, but, um you know, I don't think it changes things a whole lot. Each moves, each move will or will not be made based on its own merits. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's shift gears because uh, when you look at the at the what happens with Gallinari or, or what could or could not happen with Gallinari, I think it uh, probably is indicative of the fact that the guy they have replacing him, uh, who's supposed to be kind of taking on his role, uh, Sam Hauser. Uh, has has sort of hit the skids. Uh, you know, when you look at it, he started off uh, 49% from the three-point line in his first 21 games. His next 26 games after that, he was 28% from the three-point line. That's not great for a guy who's pretty much only reason he's on the team is his ability to knock down three-pointers. Um, you know, he had the, the, the four straight games uh, from January 11th to the 16th where he didn't make a three. That was the, uh, the first streak he's had like that this year where, uh, where he wasn't contributing anything. Um, you know, he came back, he had the three threes against the Magic uh, uh, and then was 0-5 against Miami. So, uh, you know, what's, what's, what's sort of the confidence level with Sam Hauser right now? And, and, and you know, to, is he a guy who maybe has, has worked his way out of the, uh, uh, the playoff rotation altogether? I, I, the numbers you were talking about and all that, I, I look at it as a huge fallacy. Okay. I mean, when you're taking one or two shots per game, I don't know how you, you know, can make uh, 
grander uh, proclamations, you know, based on that. I don't see how that's a, his numbers have gone down. Look at his minutes. His minutes have gone down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shooters need touches. Shooters need shots. You look at any of the great shooters in the game today, they're getting up a bunch, you know, and if you're, if you're uh, Sam Hauser, you're getting up one or two. Yeah. He had a, a didn't he have a, a game recently where he had, uh, he missed five or six. Yeah, it was a, a I guess games ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean, you know, that's going to happen. Look at you know how many, you know, really good shooters miss a bunch during a game. Just those are the only ones he's taking. Um, and I, if, looking at what they did to his minutes, I think it's natural they should have expected that he was going to have trouble. It's hard to keep up confidence when you're not getting touches, you're not just shots, but touches. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Peyton Pritchard is an anomaly. He's a guy that can – you cannot play him for two weeks. He'll get in the game five seconds later. If he's got what he thinks is an open look, it's going up. Um, but there's not a lot of guys that have that kind of confidence. Um, and it's hard to keep it. I mean, you know, great shooters – you remember Ray Allen going through a shooting slump in it was 2008 in the finals. <clears throat> great shooters go through that stuff. But here's a guy playing, you know, five, ten minutes a game. Uh, you know, that's hard. It's hard to uh, to attain confidence, and it's even harder to maintain it um, when your role is, you know, you're in and out. And he does he does other stuff. And one other thing you've got to look at with Hauser is that when he's on the floor, teams have to guard him. So he is good at spacing. So even the, the games where when he's in and either not shooting or he's missed a couple, there is still some value because it's creating more room uh, for guys to get to the basket. Yeah. I suppose if you're in a, a, an opposing defense uh, and Sam, uh, Sam Hauser has, has been in a bit of a slump, you don't want to be the defense that, that, that he comes out of the slump against because, uh, because, you know, he can make a lot in a row and, and, and cause you a lot of problems that way. Yeah, but it's just, you know, if you look at the physics of it, you know, you're standing 25 feet from the basket. Here's the ball. There's the, I mean, that's a, you know, it's not a simple thing to execute. Um, you know, you've got to have a lot of reps and a lot of confidence to, to get those shots and to hit those shots. And, you know, uh, the same or a similar thing happened even with Pritchard last year. It's like people talk about, oh, his numbers went down and then the playoffs went on. His minutes went down. Yeah. His touches went down. They weren't even letting him bring the ball up the, the court. They were having uh, Jason Tatum bring the ball up against uh, the Warriors against pressure, Yeah, which, yeah. which burned him out late in games. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I look at that and those numbers and say, you know, when a guy, a shooter especially, has to be shooting in rhythm and shooting in instinct, each shot can't be an event. I mean, yeah, yeah. good defense can slow down offense. The biggest thing that slows down offense is conscious thought. You know, if you're thinking constantly about, well, okay, you know, you're screwed. So, but I guess the question that I'd have, though, is, all right, how much can they rely on him uh, when you get into a playoff situation? And do they need somebody 
whose job it is to just go out there uh, and space it. Look, they've got a lot of good three-point shooters. I mean, a lot of guys have have had great years from the three-point arc. They didn't have that kind of guy last year. Um, certainly not 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 in the playoffs. Um, you know, who you just kind of put out there uh, as 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 the guy who's gonna who's gonna jack a three and 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 you know has a forty-five percent chance of making it. Uh, they, they didn't really have that. Do they need it? I guess is, is, well, they is, they have that guy now. He just but he just does other things as well. It's Malcolm Brogdon. You know, they've got another shooter. They've got another outside shooter. So they've kind of solved that issue. I yeah, yeah I can easily see Hauser not even being a part of the rotation at all. You know, in the playoffs when that when they when he, especially as you get deeper into the playoffs, but they've got enough outside shooting. Uh, you know. Uh, Grant Williams, you know, teams would love to get their hands on him, and you'll see, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him when he hits free agency. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so we're not just talking about guys like Hauser. Guys like Grant Williams, they have to get their touches. Um, you know, look at – can you think about where the Celtics would be this year without Grant Williams? Right. You know, right. different things he provides in addition to the outside shooting. Um so, yeah, you know, we're talking a lot about Hauser, and I think he should be playing more now um, in case something happens that you're going to, that you need him more. But realistically, he's probably not going to see a ton of time, if yeah. much at all, as you get deeper into the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have the starting five. You'll have uh, Brogdon and Derek White and, and, and Grant Williams. Those will probably be your, your playoff eight, you know, assuming everybody's healthy uh, for the Celtics. Yeah, um, and then you you know then a, a a big will slide in at some point, you know, um, and you know for uh, for matchups etc. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it's going to be like you said, it's going to be a cut down rotation, uh, but and based on uh, on matchups that in a given series. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, well, this is a, a pretty good segue because if they were to get a big guy. Uh, you know, it, it, it could certainly be that they trust Luke Cornett enough, uh, or it could be that they look at the trade market. And that's something that uh, is very much a hot topic around the league right now. Um, you've heard more stuff about Jakob Pertl from, uh, uh, from, uh, uh, from the Spurs. I don't really see that happening in the end. Uh, you know, he's going to be a free agent. So, you know, if you're going to give up an asset for him and you're going to have to give up multiple assets because the Spurs value him and could keep him themselves. He's 25 years old. He's not an old guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that, that you're going to then have to turn around and pay him, you know, even if it's in the range of, of, of 16 to 18 million per year, that's, that's, you know, and, and, and then you've got to pay Grant Williams, you know, Boy, that's that's a lot to invest uh, in your uh, uh, in your front court uh, when you can only start two guys. Yeah, and you know, looking at it from Pertle's standpoint, um, this might be a place he'd like to be the, for the rest of this season. But is would it be a place that he'd want to come back to? Um, right. Yeah, I, I think you could see him. They, they would alter things for for Jakob Pertle. I think he's. I think he's a really good player. I, I'm you know, not going out on a limb there. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, would there be a fit down the line? And the money thing is going to be important. You know, they're already a tax team. 
but one of the biggest things they got going for them in terms of flexibility and um, keeping a reasonable handle on their on their salary structure is that they're going to have you know assuming they keep they continue to start Horford and uh, Rob Williams in the next year that's going to be a really inexpensive price to pay for two very important parts of your starting five. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to have those two guys at, at basically less than 20 million bucks uh, is uh, uh, that's, that that's going to be huge for them as they go forward. And, and you could argue that Marcus Smart is, is underpaid as well. Uh, and, and, and that they got a pretty good deal with the, uh, uh, with the extension that they gave him. But I want to I look around the Eastern Conference a little bit too, Steve, because uh, I know you had some reporting uh, about the Raptors and, and, and sort of where they are at the trade deadline. Uh, you know, there are some, some Eastern Conference teams that I think uh, should be of interest to the Celtics and Celtics fans. Uh, what are you hearing about Toronto and what might happen there? Well, they've got to decide whether what they have, whether they can build on what they have to make it work. And I think they've kind of come to the conclusion that, you know, they're going to have to, to reconfigure their, their, uh, their rotation. And it's going to require moving some people. They've got some guys that are, you know, of, of similar skills and they've got to make some moves, um, you know, uh, they've, they've got free agents too. I mean, I think Van Vliet, yeah. Uh, is is uh, you know he's got the player option. Gary Trent has a player option, uh, and and I think at minimum you'd expect one of those two guys to get moved, if not both. Uh, and then and then you get into sort of the higher level decisions of what do you do with Anunoby? You know he's been pretty good. He's a very good defensive player, uh, but you know not quite the offensive impact player they'd hoped he'd be. Uh, do they move him because they've got Scotty Barnes? Do they move uh, Siakam? That's it. That's that's been discussed as well. So yeah, I mean, I, it, it does look like that's a team that's ready to make some moves, but it's a matter of you know how how uh, how big is the bomb they drop on that roster? Well, look at it realistically. Are, are they going to have a realistic? Are they going to have a chance to to win to compete for a championship this year? No. So they can, the choices are these, you're the Raptors, you can make moves yourself and try to uh, mold your future, your future roster. Or if you wait till the end of the season, it's going to get changed for you. Mm -hmm. You know, guys are going to make moves, you know, is a Fred Van Vliet going to want to stay around? Um, And he's got, he's got, I love watching him play. I think he's going to have a lot of value. Um, But those guys, they've got a lot of guys who would be really good parts of a really good team, but they're kind of lacking the magnetic people, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, um, that's going to be critical. And they've got to find ways to, to get that. Uh, and they've got, like, like you said, they've got some really intriguing, lively bodies that they can uh, offer up. And I would fully expect that they'll be active because – you know, the, the worst thing you can be in the NBA is in that middle earth, mediocre yeah. area. 43 uh, wins is uh, not is good enough good. to win, not bad enough to get yeah. the, you know, the, the high draft picks that you NBA need. Purgatory, need right, right. Players. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think you, it's logical and I think expected that they're going to be a team that moves. 
Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting because you think back a couple of years when they had uh, Kyle Lowry heading into free agency, and it was pretty well acknowledged that he was going to leave, that they weren't going to, you know, with his age, they were going to let him walk uh, and let Fred Van Vliet be the the unquestioned starter there. Uh, and and but they played hardball, and and you know they the Lakers wouldn't give up Taylor Horton Tucker, so he didn't get traded to the Lakers, and uh, you know the Heat were involved, and and the Heat wouldn't give up uh, enough, the Sixers wouldn't give up enough, and the and the, the Raptors said fine, well we're, we're going to keep them, and they kept them. So interesting to see if uh, um, if 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 Toronto handles things a little bit differently, uh, but that does bring me to Miami as well, Steve. You know that seems to be. Uh, a team that to me uh, badly needs a move. I think they've, you know, Eric Spolster being what he is, uh, you know, has managed to keep that team afloat, but they need something else. Yeah. It's, it's funny though. Everyone, when Boston lost there the other night, everyone's talking about, well, geez, look at Miami. You know, they've got a coach who knows how to handle things. They got this, they got that. Remember when they had guys on their bench, like, the, you know, openly, you know, having, you know, shout outs, shouting matches with, with their coaches and stuff. It's like, you know, yeah, it's, you got to watch them every night to see the whole thing. Just cause yeah. one night it, it, it works. Look, when, when they, was it, you know, Tucker that got, that, that left them, you know, they, they've needed size. Um, and uh, they rely so much on outside shooting that, um, you know, it's, that's kind of a, you know, a hard way to, to, to gamble, uh, especially in, in a playoff situation, you know, it can work, but it cannot sometimes. I mean, uh, and, and you also, you're relying really heavily on Jimmy Butler at his age and his health issues, etc. cetera. Um, so, you know, uh, I think once they didn't make uh, the moves that people thought they needed during this past off season, that, I think we're everyone's just kind of waiting to see what they have to pull off next because they've got to seemingly do something. Yeah, yeah. Interesting number to to, to reinforce your point is that they take thirty five point four three pointers per game, which is eighth in the league. They make thirty three point five percent, which is well below the league average. Twenty seventh in the NBA, so they're jacking up a lot of threes and 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 not making a whole lot of them. I think the one thing that that you know would would scare me as a Celtics fan and scare me as uh, uh, if I'm in the Eastern Conference is that I think Bam Adebayo is starting to really. Uh, you know, corral just how good he is offensively. You know, he's been such a a great player defensively. Uh, you know, just just sometimes lacks that aggression on the offensive end. Seems to be doing that much more consistently. Uh, and it just seems like if they could get a power forward in there who could do some of that PJ Tucker stuff, some of that dirty work stuff, that that would help him. Uh, you know, certainly continue to be more aggressive offensively. Yeah, I agree. Um, but you know, look, they they banked a lot on on what they were going to get from the return of a allegedly healthy Victor Oladipo this year, and it it, it hasn't worked out. I mean, you you know, you, they've got they've got some good players up and down the line there. I mean, Highsmith, they've got some guys that can play. Uh, Gabe Benson, yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, uh, does does the package work? And uh, you know, we see again. The uh, the issues they have with the team within the team, you know, uh, so it's hard to see that. You know, when you saw teams, when you saw 
when you're Toronto and you're Chicago and you're Miami and you saw Boston go out and get a Malcolm Brogdon and a Danilo Gallinari last summer, it's like you got to do something. You can't just yeah. sit back and think, well, we'll be fine. You know, there's an arms race going on here and, you know, you either get in it or you get left by the wayside. Yeah, yeah. Certainly we saw Philadelphia get in it and they're they're playing well. They've been surging lately. Uh, and I think Milwaukee is a team that's that's trying to get, you know, they've they, they've really tried to uh, shake the trees as much as they can and get, you know, they, they'd like to get their hands on Jay Crowder. So would Miami, um, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens with these teams working the trade deadline. Uh, but that brings me to our, our, our final spot here, Steve, uh, where I'm going to ask you to be Brad Stevens. And I'm going to take a turn at being Brad Stevens as well. Um, all right. So congratulations. You've been named Brad Stevens. <laughs> all right. So the, yeah, that's kind of, it's just a little bit depressing. I'm a lot taller than he is. So, you know, <laughs> I'm going to need more, I'm going to need new clothes. <laughs> My suits aren't going to fit. No, that's, that's probably true. Um, but okay. Uh, the, the, the goal here is to pick one realistic trade target, just one, uh, that you could go sort of full bore after, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the tools you have are, are, are sort of what Brad has to work with, whether it's a, a trade exception, uh, the future picks, uh, keep in mind that they, that they have the, uh, the, uh, the conditional pick going to, uh, San Antonio, um, down the line, they you don't have this year's picks that, that, this year's pick that's going to Indiana. Um, realistically, you know, you're not going to trade Derek White, but, you know, you could have Pritchard, Gallinari, Justin Jackson get you around the $11, $12 million range in terms of what you can bring back. Um, so my question is, who are you going for? You know, who are you really pushing for? Is it Pirtle? Is it, uh, you know, maybe Jared Vanderbilt, Dwight Powell perhaps from uh, from from Dallas? Uh, for me, I can say it would be PJ Washington uh, from from uh, from from Charlotte. I would I would I would invest as much as I possibly could uh, in getting him to Boston. But 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 who would stand out for you, Steve? Yeah, someone like that, or like a PJ Washington. Or, look, the Celtics have had in their championship runs. They they had pretty good luck with a PJ in two thousand eighteen. Uh, yeah. two thousand eight. Excuse me, PJ Brown. <laughs> Um, so maybe there'll be some uh, some harmonic convergence there, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like a Dwight. Powell. What you're looking for is someone that can give you some minutes that would be better than uh, than a, a Blake Griffin if you had to, you know. Um, but again, I I don't see them giving up much at all. I don't think I don't see them wanting to surrender much. I don't see them even wanting to give up a, a Peyton Pritchard uh, as part of anything because, you know, there's a guy that in an injury pinch can step in for you in important situations and just can give you, you know, in, in baseball parlance, he can give you innings during the course of a year. I think mm. I, you know, Joe Mazzulla spent the early part of the year wanting to solidify the top part of the rotation um, and get those guys. They've played together before. Well, they didn't have Rob Williams to start, but these guys have played together before, but I think he wanted to get them playing the way he wanted them to play, which is 
the ball movement thing and and that. So I think he did give them extended minutes when, you know, I thought, well, it's kind of early in the year to be doing that. But I think now if the point can get hammered home, you should start seeing guys like Pritchard play some more, uh, just lengthen things out a little bit so you can, uh, you know, look for more quality minutes from your first five instead of quantity, you know, get the reps and get them out of the game uh, kind of thing. Um, yeah, and, and I agree that, you know, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade Peyton Pritchard just because he's not playing enough. You know, I wouldn't trade him just, you know, I think having a guy like him is, is such a luxury. You mentioned before that, uh, you know, he's, he, he comes into a game with confidence and you have to like that. Um, you know, even if he hasn't played in a, in a, in a week or, or 10 days. Uh, but, you know, I, a guy like PJ Washington, I, I think you do have to look at it. For me, I'd look at it in two ways. One is I think he'd be able to help you this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Two, I think he's somebody you'd want to keep long term. He can make a three, he can block a shot, uh, and 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 he can play the four and the five. That's that's sort of the Al Horford role. Eventually, Al Horford is going to retire. He's going to not be around anymore. Or you yeah, don't I want to that entirely. <laughs> I think Al Horford is never going to retire. Um, you know, I think Al if Horford. If that's the case, then I'll be proven wrong for sure. There you go. Um, yeah, no, I mean, and look, you. although the the role is different in some ways, um, P, uh, P.J. Washington would give you a little bit of insurance in uh, in the Grant Williams situation next right. time. Yeah. Um, which will be important. I mean, you know. What happens if uh, Grant Williams gets the offer that uh, the Celtics aren't, um, you know, hard to think he would get an offer they couldn't match or wouldn't match. But, you know. Um, you you get one of those front-loaded those front kind of contracts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, teams can mess with, uh, with restricted free agency a little bit that way. Yeah. I mean, look, the Celtics are right now, you know, Things don't last in this league. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, there have been teams you think, oh, they've made a push this year. They're going to be back to the finals for years to come. They're going to be, you know, a going concern for years to come. And it doesn't work out that way. So, yeah, I think the Celtics are trying to, you know, put everything they can into this year's run and, and see what goes afterwards. But, yeah, it's – look, the coach – the difference between uh, – Brad Stevens as coach and Brad Stevens as president of basketball operations is that the coach thought about tonight and the, the president of basketball operations, Brad Stevens thinks about, you know, a lot of tonight's months and years away from now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, that's all we've got for you today. Thanks for checking out the Celtics collective. Please follow us. Uh, if you, uh, Uh, like what you've heard, uh, and come back next week. Again, I'm Sean Devaney. Uh, That's Steve Bolpet. We cover the NBA for heavy sports. Uh, We'll check out what the Celtics do this week. They've got a pretty interesting week with the Lakers on Saturday. Uh, They've got the Nets uh, on Wednesday and then the Suns on on Friday. Some pretty good teams for a team that that needs to have, I think, a little bit of a jolt here. Uh, So we'll see what happens with the Celtics, and we'll talk about it next week. Thanks, guys.